Everyone has ignored the e-commerce community when it comes to like regular, like, you know how hard it is to file sales tax in 50 states and 250 counties across the country? Like, it's impossible for a business doing $5 million a year to figure out where they have next. Or like, it's expensive. Right. And it's debilitating. You know, again, that takes me back to like Donald Trump being like, your regulation is making it impossible to run a business. Warren Buffett has this great saying where he's like, if a cop follows you for 500 miles on the road when you're driving... He's going to be able to pull you over for something. Exactly. You did something here. And I don't think that there's any company in the world that is not violating the law in some way. Totally. It's just a function of like, you know, how big, how egregious is it? And then do you get caught? This is Limited Supply, the place for refreshingly real takes on what D2C is really like. We're your hosts, Nick and Moyes. Let's start talking about money. All right, Moyes, we talk about Tapcard every episode. We love Tapcard. But did you know that Tapcard is not for 70 to 90% of your customers? In fact, it's best used for your top 10 to 30% of customers. You get direct access to your VIP segment, and the LTV of that top 10% will increase your cohort LTV by about two and a half times. The best part is the instant page loading, the better user experience, the one-click checkout. It's a fantastic experience for your best customers. And you can't forget the free push notifications. If you want to try TapCart, go to tapcart.com slash limited. Okay. I don't know what episode this is. Six, seven? One of those two. I put six. It could be seven. I think five was this week. So yeah, yeah. we have one more in the hopper. This is the fanciest we've ever dressed up for one of I these know, things. Why do you have a sweater on? Uh, it's a little cold. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, okay. I don't know what you've got on your agenda, but I want to start my agenda with guess this business. Okay. Because I love this part of the business. Yeah. Okay. This business is valued at $130 million. Okay. okay. It's a publicly traded business valued at $130 million. It's based in Dallas, Texas, and it IPO'd in 2013. Okay? Huh. Let me get into better detail. They have sales of about a billion dollars a year. $1.1 billion uh, in 2022, $1.05 billion, or one point, like their their year ends kind of in a weird way, but like let's say $1.1 billion in 2021, just over a billion last year. Okay. It's a brick and mortar business, mostly. They have 94 stores, okay, averaging 25,000 square feet. So pretty good-sized store. Their largest states are California and Texas, 13 Mm -hmm. in each, okay? What else? Okay, here's some interesting facts about it. They say that in 2021, they purchased 57% of their merchandise from vendors located outside the United States. 34% was in China. And 43% of their merchandise is from vendors in the United States. Okay. So $1.1 billion in sales for the year ending April 30th, 2022. That's how they do it. But like, let's say $1.1 billion in sales in 2021. Okay. 58% gross margins, $81 million in net income. Total advertising expense for 2021, $36 million. Okay. Okay. And they just released their numbers last year, last night. Okay, okay, last night, new numbers for 2022. So I didn't have much time to dig into it, but like, you know, they haven't put it online yet. They just dropped this like press release. So 2022 sales were 1.05 billion. So basically flat sales between 2021 and 2022, flat sales. 2021, they had 100, uh, I'm sorry, $81 million in net income. Last year, they lost $160 million. Okay. So they went from making 80 million to yep. losing 160. Okay. And they expect and to do. Do you have the year prior to 2021? 
I don't. Okay. Um, and then they expect to do between 885 to 900 million oh, this year. Okay. Do I get two questions? Uh, you get two questions. Okay. Is it arts and crafts related? I don't know how to answer that question. So I'm, I won't answer that question. Okay. Sort of-ish is the answer. Um, I think mostly no. I would guess you're thinking Michaels or Joanne yeah. Fabrics. The exact two I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. Then I'll answer that question with no. Okay. But good guess. And who's the buyer of these products? Who is the buyer? Um, moms. Moms. Yeah. Moms is the right answer. And who's uh, the user and, of the products? Yeah. I should, uh, everyone. Uh, but mostly moms is the buyer, but also like, you know, I, this is like, I don't want this to sound offensive, but women, I would say, are the buyers yeah. of this product. Like, okay. I would be shocked if you bought this product. I, I wouldn't be shocked if you've ever shopped at the store. I would be shocked if you're like, if you're like, let's go there every month. Yeah. And I wouldn't be shocked if your wife was like, let me go there once every three months. Got it. Uh, one more clue. The guy who's CEO is this Indian dude. He's 46 years old, sits on the board of Big Commerce, and he used to be the COO of Sephora, which is pretty, uh, like, and, and like, once I tell you the name of the company, I think you'll be like, why did you leave Sephora for this? Yeah. <laughs> but- one more time, they have a billion dollar sales and $130 million valuation. Oh, wow. So like, you know, billion dollars in sales a year, $130 million of valuation, 94 stores, 25,000 square feet. Think about that. What's a 25,000 square yeah, feet that's store? Huge. That's like a kind of like a department store. Yeah. Right. A, yeah. A department store. I would guess that it's like equivalent to like the Bed Bath and Beyonds of the world. Yeah. Somewhere around there. It's not Bed Bath & Beyond. Okay. Uh, what else can I give you about this? Ask one more question. Uh, okay. Let's make it five questions. What's the number one product sold here? I don't know the answer to that, so I won't count that against you. Okay. What's the average order value of a checkout? And you, you probably very, like almost certainly north of $100, you know, maybe north of 300 or 400 Really? Yeah. But probably north of 100, but probably, uh, maybe over 300, is but like, certainly over 100. Is it like uh, Chico's or something? Like some sort of a women's apparel, Talbot's, uh, Chico's Loft? No, like yeah, that? that's a good, that's a good uh, guess, but it's not Chico's. Okay, one more guess. Okay, so if it's 25,000 square feet, I would guess it has to be in a mall, but it could also be its own stores. Those are the options. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. Okay, let me give you some clues to okay. narrow it down. You probably walk by one every day when you're in your neighborhood. It's in your neighborhood. It's definitely in Chelsea. There's one in Chelsea for sure, one of these stores. Um, a couple, I think you live in Chelsea, right? Yeah, is it like a CVS or Walgreens? No, no those can't be. Yeah, yeah way $30 million. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And oh, there's only 94, so there's 94 yeah. CVSs in many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, another clue is that most of the goods they sell are like durable for a really long time. Is it like Ace Hardware? Closer. Okay. It's they're really long. Like they do sell some goods that are like a little bit consumable. Like, you know what would be perfect? Like I think Jolie Showerhead Company would like to be in this store. It wouldn't be their number one store, yeah. but they'd like to be here. Another thing is that you probably shop here when you buy a new home. It, particularly if it's just been newly like constructed. Like a home goods? Not a home goods, but getting closer. It's new, newly constructed home. And you're like, man, you know, I need more storage. I, I need better storage. Oh, and container order. store. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Wow. <laughs> Dude, $130 million valuation, valuation yeah. off on a billion. billion dollars in. And why did this guy leave Sephora? <laughs> exactly. 
I don't know what happened. Like, um, so they have not like launched, they have not revealed what their like what happened in 2020. Like, they, like every year, publicly traded companies have to give you a yearly report. Yeah. They give you one every quarter, but like it's not as big as the yearly report. Okay. And so these guys released their yearly report in like uh May or June. And they just gave numbers yesterday. And I think that report will get either released either today, yeah. uh, which is, I don't know, like today's the 18th, yeah, or tomorrow or something like that in the next week or so. And so I haven't dug into the details of it yeah. yet, but yes, it's the container store. 90 wow. full stores, 25,000 so, square feet. I was so sure it was going to be Michael's. Yeah, that is a good one. Uh, I already have the one for next week as well. Yeah. It's already in my head. It's such a good <laughs> one. I almost was like, let me wake up really early this morning and change this all. Yeah. But I was like, I kind of like the container store too, because yeah, yeah. it's like a good one. It is good. It's, it's really a slept on store. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, $130 million value, I thought it'd be so much more, you It's know? crazy that it's got 81 of, of net like in the bank with 130 as a valuation. Yeah. So 81 was in 2021. Okay. In 2022, wow, so probably, oh, they lost, they lost yeah. 160. Okay. So like dramatic change yeah. in fortunes. Because that was the other thought. I was like, okay, if people were maybe doing a shitload of arts and crafts, but then the store, was it mostly e-commerce then? The 2021? I don't think it was mostly e-commerce. Uh -huh. I think it was mostly uh, brick and mortar stores. Yeah, that Let was a good one though. Yeah. There was a lot of people, did you see on Twitter who were talking about the Build-A-Bear yeah, yeah, People liked that. Was, that. Yeah, that yeah, was, that good, was one. good Why do you think they like did so poorly? Like, how do you think they went from 80 million in net profit to 160 million? My guess is uh, they were at, people were at home. They wanted to organize shit. Yeah. They started organizing shit. And then the next year came around. And of course, you know, fi some finance FP&A person was like, Oh, we sold a hundred. Let's order three hundred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you know they're all just sitting there. Yeah, that's my yeah. guess. Yeah, I think that's uh, COVID. Right? I bet. Was yeah, like the huge COVID bump, which was like everyone's sitting at home and everyone's buying new houses. Mm -hmm. When you buy a home, often like a newly constructed home, it will not come with any blinds and right. it will not come with any closet stuff. Like right. you're like here's a room and you're like there's yeah, you no to place to hang. Closet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you got to go to the container store and buy all that kind of stuff. That's so funny that you thought of like building out. I've never thought about building out a closet. Yeah. But you've probably bought more homes than I have. I, I, I've definitely bought more homes. I've never built out a closet. Yeah. Like I know this exists. And that's yeah. why I said, I think you've been there. Right. I have. I, I think you're, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think if you had a wife, she would go there once a quarter. It wouldn't be crazy to be like, I want to buy a new hanger. Right. Something to that effect. Right. Um, totally. Anyway, that. Uh, tell me what's on your agenda. Okay, I have three things. Okay. One is a a story of uh, some advice I gave to this guy I invested in his company, and you know I got his quarterly update and just thought it was not that great, and so I gave him a ton of feedback today. Yeah, and so I, I could share that. Another one is I got hit with my first ADA lawsuit. Oh no, dude! I'm about to, for satirical purposes, I'm gonna fucking murder this guy. Yeah, like. I want to choke him out and then curb stomp him. I've heard that some people like uh, that ADA lawyers will sometimes send like 10,000 letters. Yeah. And they, this oh, guy sent you, like 150 in the last week. I think if you respond, then he's like, okay, there's something here. Is yeah. Possible? So are you responding? Well, yeah. Basically, we have Accessibility on, on all our sites. So yeah. according to Accessibility, we're fully covered. Yeah. Okay. But the fact that this guy, like we, yeah. one of our guys on our team went a step further he found two lawyers that have just been shilling out these compliance lawsuits. Yeah. And in the complaint, they send an attachment. By the way, here's our attorney retainer, and here's how much you owe us to cover the, this lawsuit for all the, all the trouble we've been through trying to get through your email pop-up. 
It was an email pop. That's what it was an email pop up that he's like, this is an ADA compliant. Yeah. The email pop up. The email fucking pop up. Oh my God. He recorded it, put it on his YouTube channel, put the video in the lawsuit. And, um, dude, I'm going to find this guy and grab him by the throat. Yeah. Did you ever get this at Native? No. And, but I would like to grab all those attorneys. Yeah. I mean, what a fucking useless human. Like, what a waste of a human. They should cut water to his house. He's worthless. This is where I really like Donald Trump. Right. Donald Trump is like, I hate this bullshit. He's yeah. like, I want to do business and you fucking assholes are preventing. Just He's preventing like, Red tape and lawyer, like, you know, ambulance chasing lawyers like yeah. this are preventing people from doing yeah. their business. And like uh, his story is like his, uh, you know, thesis of less regulation when it comes to being able to do this kind of stuff resonates with me. Yeah. And the guy, I looked up the guy who, who sent the lawsuit. Yeah. Some fat fuck. You know, sitting on a chair in yeah. front of like a news channel behind yeah. him, is thinking his, he's like all big hotshot. Is his website ADA compliant? I don't know. I should, you should yeah, I should serve him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You should be like, I clicked your Facebook, I clicked this thing on your page. It's, yeah. Your terms of service are not ADA compliant. Oh. I'm suing you. I would love to spend money on that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sean from Ridge, I saw like- Yeah, he, he spends tweeted, a lot. Yeah, yeah. I think he spends like a couple hundred grand a month on lawyers. That seems insane in part because, you know, um, I'm not sure how much wallet IP, like I'm sure, he, I think he has patents and that's what he's trying to defend. And yeah. I guess I get that. Um, but I'm also like, you know, I've seen hard case wallets with straps before. Like, right. I, I don't know where the IP is. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know what his lawyers are are going after. He, yeah. I think there's a lot of people who. Uh, I mean, I've definitely gotten ads for wallets like Ridge. Yeah. That basically just try to rip the exact ad format. Yeah. Maybe it's like the fonts, or maybe it's something around that where it's like tricking consumers into thinking it's Ridge, but it's not really Ridge. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Uh, that's fair. Like, you yeah. know, you're trying to build a real brand and so right. you don't want someone to like copying every single uh, facet of your business. Exactly. Okay. So tell me about the the guy who had uh, sent out an investor deck and- Yeah. Uh, Actually, one more thing on yeah, that. Yeah, sure. So uh, do you follow Robert Freund on Twitter or Instagram? The, the, the lawyer? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, this guy's a legend. Like he just, he finds all these cases that, I mean, everybody should follow him. It, they will just find things of, oh, I should not do this. Yeah. One of them is, you know, all these chatbots that AI apps that have come up. And um, he has been tweeting out how a lot of these AI apps, I mean, they're not coming from Microsoft or Gorgeous, right? Yeah. So they're not like really battle tested in my opinion, which is another topic we should talk about. But by battle tested, I mean, it's past compliance, it's past like procurement, it's past privacy all these things that generally, all the apps that we talk about, a Clavio, a Gorgeous, whatever, they've yeah. all done this. So anyways, he's been tweeting about some sites who have been quick to make the jump into the world of AI. Like they want to throw up some AI chatbot or use something on their site that's AI. And as a result, the app on the site, for it to function well, it has to record or process what is happening on the site which is, again, you know, it's another ambulance chasing lawyer yeah, tactic. Sure. But that's something that people actually probably should be a little bit more cautious about when they install tech on their site to make sure that it passes some level of compliance regulation and privacy laws so that you can't just go to builtwith.com, put in the app, and then, you know, find 60 people to go ahead and lawsuits to. That's interesting. I guess go, going back to the lawsuit then, what, so he goes to your site, he's like, you have this accessibly thing, and then let me still like find... I don't know what he... That seems so... I th Here's my guess. Yeah. So we, we were trying to get the... Uh, when we bought Long Weekend, yeah. a part of it was like the Long Weekend trademark. 
when we were transferring the asset, they had to renew the trademark. The trademark got rejected because there's a company called Weekend Cosmetics. Which yeah, has I the know trademark. that woman. Yeah, yeah, she's in Dallas. Yeah. So I reached out to her and I said, hey, do you mind if uh, we write a letter? And, you know, I'm happy for you guys to keep doing what you're doing. You let us do what we're doing. Let's just like tell the office that uh, we're both happy to do this together. Like we can ex- coexist. No response. Sent three more follow-ups. I'm trying to be nice. Like this, this woman is on my newsletter and I see her opening emails on the newsletter. So I was trying to be really nice of like, yeah, let's just let's just do it together. It's totally fine. Does she own the trademark though right now for Weekend Cosmetics? She did. She did. Then my attorney was like, okay, we didn't hear back. Like, you know, stop trying to be nice. Let's just move forward with the legal way of doing this. So then he did. And I think we just got the trademark. But because he filed for that, this ambulance attorney emailed him and said, oh, I saw you filed for this. I wanted to bring this to your attention because we haven't heard back because Accessibility responds on our behalf. And he got it from them today. And in the email they referenced, oh, I saw you've done work with Long Weekend before. You know, I wanted to send this your way to put it in front of you and see if we're going to get a response. So my thought was, oh, the, the you know, whoever just filed for a trademark these guys are just looking at that yeah. and then going down the list yeah, yeah, yeah. and sending okay, gotcha. lawsuits. Okay, got it. Um, do you pay, accessibility is so much money. It's a lot of money. And it's tiered like for websites under 100,000 pages. Okay. For websites under 1,000 pages. Okay. So you're under 1,000 pages because there's no way you have more than 1,000 pages. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Because you have 10 pages actually. Exactly. Yeah. Luckily it's not pricing based or page view based. Yeah. Yeah. That that's crazy. that's what I thought. Uh, wow. Okay. So 490 a year. So you're basically- but it's great. There's also another company called, um, there's this company where they, they're a lot more like beefier with it. You know, accessibility is more of like a Shopify app. Yeah, level access. Is that what it's called? That's the one I was thinking. These guys, they'll charge you like 50 grand a year, but you will never hear about a lawsuit. In fact, if you do, it's like they will just go kill. Yeah, they'll literally kill them and kill their whole family. I love Um, it. These, this is who we use. At Can you just hire them for that part? I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is who we use at Hintwater, and there was not ever a single issue. Yeah, like native to accessibility now too. Yeah, they're really good. But accessibility is a really good, like smaller. Okay, you know, not everybody sure. can afford fifty grand. Yeah, yeah, of course. But uh, but yeah, accessibility does protect you even with litigation, and they'll handle all of the other shit, which is great. You know, I do feel like there needs to be national regulation that helps you that helps prevent this kind of stuff. And like, you know, like I'm not, everyone has ignored the e-commerce community when it comes to like regular, like, you know how hard it is to file sales tax in 50 states, 250 counties across the country. Like it's impossible for a business doing $5 million a year to figure out where they have next or like it's expensive. Right. And it's debilitating. You know, again, that takes me back to like Donald Trump being like, your regulation is making it impossible to run a business. Warren Buffett has this great saying where he's like, if a cop follows you for 500 miles on the road when you're driving, he's going to be able to pull you over for something. Exactly. You did something here. And I don't think that there's any company in the world that is not violating the law in some way. Totally. It's just a function of like, you know, how big, how egregious is it? And then do you get caught? Totally. And that's what really sucks. Moyes, one of my favorite parts of launching a brand is launching their mobile app, mainly because of all of the features you get inside a mobile app that you don't get on a traditional mobile site. So for example, push notifications, I think, are fantastic. If you can get the opt-in for push notifications, you have a golden ticket as a brand. 
Secondly, I love that in Tapcart, you have these content modules. You can add different pieces of content, YouTube videos, recipes, try-on hauls, all these different things that you can't necessarily make native to the experience of the mobile site. It's really great because it allows you to keep your app like up to date and fresh. So if it's like July 4th or Mother's Day or Valentine's Day or Black Friday season, you can update the app really easily so that you can be relevant to the time period you're in. Couldn't agree more. And if you want to try TapCart, go to tapcart.com slash limited and get up to two months free of TapCart. Do you know Xien? Mm-hmm. They just raised money. They announced that they raised money. Really? Uh, and I wanted to like give this billion stats. dollars. They raised two billion dollars wow. at a sixty-six billion dollar valuation. What? Uh, last year they raised money at a hundred billion dollar valuation. So actually, this oh, is thirty-three wow. percent lower. Yeah. Do you want to get? They have revenue. Uh, like you know, their numbers are yeah. uh, open. I promise. After this, we'll stop doing the guessing game. <laughs> yeah. What do you think their revenue is? What do you think their profit is? Maybe like five billion in revenue. Yeah. Okay. And what about profit? Like half a billion. Okay. A billion. Net profit is eight hundred million. Okay, revenue is twenty three billion. Wow, way way bigger. Yeah, wow, pretty crazy. They're like uh, the size of Zara and H and M at this point, and they say that they're. I mean, I don't know if this is true or not, uh, but they say their their model of like producing things on demand makes it so that they can turn over inventory in forty days, and like H and M and Zara take eighty days. And so they're like, we can do it in less than 40 or H&M and Zara actually take longer than that. So they have like, you know, H&M and Zara all basically have four seasons. Yeah. These guys are like, you know, we can have 12 seasons of clothes. We, we can constantly be turning new products out and we can make stuff in lower quantities. That's our competitive advantage. Wow. It's it's uh, it's like Chinese Fashion Nova. Yeah, it is Chinese Fashion Nova. Do you know how big Fashion Nova is? No. I don't either. I don't it's think that's like publicly traded, uh, is it? No, it's it looks like it's estimated about seven hundred and fifty million in revenue. Okay, so this is way, way, way. I mean, more than twenty x bigger. Yeah, there's another company very similar to Sheen called Cider, ShopCider.com, and uh, they I think also do somewhere around a billion or maybe over a billion in revenue. Really? Yeah, it's same thing. Fast fashion. What's crazy is when I met with um, somebody from their team. They were like, yeah, we don't really use face like we don't use Facebook ads like normal people do. We have a CTO who's developed our own internal apps for media buying. And all we do is we just drop in what the product is. And within minutes, we have hundreds of creatives, headlines, ad copy. It all gets deployed in a very sophisticated testing manner. And then it very quickly gets tested. And then, you know, the winners get scaled, the losers get it's all automated. Wow. But it's like it's all from like the tech team runs media. Wow. Isn't that cool? That is crazy. I remember a long time ago when Wish was still huge, the Facebook team was like, uh, when we lo- when we we give like, you know, partners who are spending enough money, like direct API access. Yeah. And so that's like Amazon. And at the time it was like Wish, because I think Wish was like right. one of the largest vendors. And they're like, it took the Amazon team like three months to like build the integration with our API access. It took the Wish team like, you know, 24 hours. Yeah. As soon as we gave it, oh them, they're God. like, that this is the so only thing sense. that matters. Yeah. yeah. Like their head was like, this is what matters. Nothing else matters. It's yeah. like direct access to the Facebook brain. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, I can't believe how large Shein is. I think apparel companies are the ones that like still think, you know, 
the Fashion Nova guy is like constantly buying houses. I, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just see, buy the most expensive yeah, house yeah, in yeah. California. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, and like, you know, true classics, you know, Ben talked to us about the numbers. Hunt. Yeah. I feel like very few businesses get to that scale, but obviously the ones that do, like, there's just an unlimited amount in fashion because people are constantly like, yeah, yeah I want to buy new clothes. Yeah. The biggest oxymoron is sustainable fashion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, or it just means you're not making money. Yeah, I couldn't believe these numbers. $23 billion in revenue and like a $100 billion valuation, I think, was the valuation of $23 billion, though, and $500 million in-, in $800 that, million. $800 million seems very like, you know, not even- uh, But good, yeah. yeah. Well, here's the other thing. They're like, we're growing 40% year over year. So they're like, if we did 23, I'm not sure if the 23 billion was supposed to be in 2023 or the uh, 2022, but they're like, we hope to do, you know, 32 billion- Wow. Um, Next year. That's crazy. Like, you know, a $10 billion addition to yeah. our top line. That like, is, that's wild. Yeah, yeah. It's this material amount of money. And so I think that's what's the, that's what the impressive part is. Like that's part of the valuation for sure. Yeah. But like, I'm not sure if people will get turned off by like, now when I'm starting to buy clothes, I'm a little like, I'm not okay. I'm not sure if I'm okay with uh, what's in these clothes now. Mm. Uh, in like, what sense? Like today I was, uh, I was at the gym and CNN was like, we found there's BPA chemicals in basically all of these like uh, sports clothing, like yeah. athleisure wear. Like if you have polyester pants, right. there's BPA in there. Right. And BPA is like a thing that you don't want in your plastic water bottle because it'll like kill you. Right. And they're like, yeah, we just discovered in like Nike and Lululemon and Adidas. Wow. Probably in a lot of others as well. Yeah. And so now I'm like, where can I buy clothes that are made in America? Which right. seems crazy. And I'm not sure if actually clothes made in America are going to be any better. I'm like, are there non-toxic clothing companies? Sounds like there? Ali Fashion's about to pop up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, in America, Ali yeah, Fashion. Right. <laughs> uh, anyway, I'm getting a little bit cautious or at least thinking about Dude, that. Dude, you know, you know who's gotten to your head is Justin Mares. Yeah, Justin Mares <laughs> has gotten to my head. We actually had a little bit of this conversation and then I saw this on CNN. Yeah. Since I met him, I'm like, I've eaten like sugar. If I see fruit, I'm like, this is poison over yeah, here. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I'm like so afraid of food now yeah. uh, after chat, chatting with him. I'm like intermittent fasting all day until I'm starving. And then I'm like, <laughs> okay, give me like, you know, a water. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because that's the only thing I could possibly eat. Man-made essential water. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah. so, uh, you like, he just got into my head and I can't get it out now. That's so funny. Uh, okay, let's go on to one of your things. Yes. All right. So speaking of water, actually, this has nothing to do with water. But anyways, this guy launched a brand and um, I was I was definitely hesitant to invest just because, you know, but he was uh, he was pretty persistent. You know, yeah. Week after week. Yeah. You got to do it. You yeah. got to do it. Just a tiny, just a tiny yeah. one. So I put a tiny check in. How much did you put in? What's tiny for you? Literally tiny. A thousand bucks. Okay. Angel list. Yeah. UV. So, you know, the investor updates start coming out and, you know, he did 12K in a quarter, which I'm like- 12,000 in revenue? In, in, yeah. Okay. So the first quarter I got the email, it was like, I don't know, 8,000. Second quarter I got the email, 12,000. And I was like, dude, why are you sending me these updates? Yeah. Like, don't send me these updates saying- It's $100 a day. $1,000 a week. Yeah. yeah. Um, Is he in e-commerce or something else? It is e-commerce. So I just emailed him like, let's like sync up here because I already lost a thousand bucks or yeah. it's, I've already given a thousand bucks, but yeah. I'd rather just help we'll you with a thousand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just like, let me just help you out here. Yeah. And so today I got on the phone with him and uh, you know, I was like, what are you doing? You know? And he was like, well, we're, 
We're about to go raise 250K. We're going to invest in the second edition, second version of our product. And I was like, interesting. What, what does the second edition do? Or like, you know, wh- why, do you, why do you need yeah. to raise this money? Oh, it's got this extra feature that's really going to be crazy. Like it's going gonna, it's gonna to do this and that. And I was like, okay, but how are you going to raise that money? He's like, well, I from think Nick Sharma. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect time for this call, my friend. <laughs> and I was basically like, you have no story when you go to investors. Like any investor is just going to look at this and already people are hesitant. People are going to look at this and just be, they're not even going to take a meeting. Yeah. And um, no, he has a story. It's a plane crash though. Right. You know, it's a terrible story. It's a terrible story. And so I told him, I was like, you got to think about this like Tesla. Your first product is your Roadster, okay? Your Roadster helps you understand what works, what doesn't work, building the supply chain, the factory line, everything that you need to do to get a Roadster out the door is what you need to focus on now. Yeah. Then what did Elon do next? He built the Model S. Yeah. End goal was the Model 3, not the Model S. Yeah, yeah. But he built the Model S. What did that do? It expanded his capabilities around supply chain, marketing, getting in the hands of people, seeing it on the road, the social proof, all that stuff. I was like, you just got to follow this Tesla playbook. So so then I was thinking, you know, you've just got to basically, you've got to decide if you have $100,000 left in the bank, are you going to work on tooling and molds and all this shit and tie it up in inventory? Or are you going to move this inventory that you already have from the last PO that yeah. you spent two years on? So I thought, I said, okay, let's go to your site. Your site is terrible. It is all black. And there's no description. It doesn't tell me anything about what you're doing. It tells me about the features of this product. It tells me that it has this type of battery and this type of light. Yeah. But it doesn't tell me why I need this. Yeah. And so I said, you need to think about, uh, you need to like get in the mode of performance marketing here. You got to stop building products. So you have one tier one, I call it a tier one product. You have one flagship product. You need to create one or two tier two products, yeah. things that can be gift with purchase, yeah. add on, upsells, yep. increase the AOV. You know, you don't need to discount. In fact, you can not discount at all and you yeah. can give a tier two product away. Then you need to, you need social proof. Like no one's buying this shit, right? You got to go get your like cool 3D spinning render on the site is cool for you and maybe for your mom who thinks, wow, yeah. this is awesome. But you need to go get quotes, you need reviews, you need people posting this, you need photos of this, and you need to get that plastered everywhere. You need to make sure that when somebody searches for this brand on TikTok, they see reviews or unboxings. When they search on YouTube, they see unboxings and reviews. When they search on Google, they see some reviews and articles. And when they go to Instagram, you should have a good feed of UGC. You got to have highlights that show people's stories being reposted. You see social proof everywhere. Then you need to get angles. You need to think about angles that work. So let's say it's a water bottle, a clean water bottle. You know, we need to talk about what's wrong with water today. We need to talk about the effects of bad water. You know, you can't just talk about the quality of your water. You need to talk about what what are you solving. Sure. Then you need to test those angles and you need to start testing them with, I would say, test them with Facebook. Just light up a Facebook ad, light up five Facebook ads and start testing it. So let me ask you a quick question. Has the, is the reason that he has not been able to get sales because his website sucks or because he has no marketing? Both. Okay. And so as soon as you start testing, you need to like go into Shopify. Yeah. You need to go click on uh, reports. You need to filter down to conversion rate and UTM source and start looking at every page and what the conversion rate is by the page you're driving traffic to. Okay. Yeah. That's Look cool. for the highest number. 
you see three, five, and seven, look look at the seven. Okay? <laughs> Double down on that. Then uh, get good at understanding analytics. When you're on Facebook, what's the CPM? That tells you how good, that tells you how much Facebook likes what you're putting out. Then look at the CTR. That tells you how much consumers like what you're putting sure. out. And then look at conversion rate. That tells you how much the customer likes what you're putting out. And whichever number is low or high, yeah. that'll tell you what you need to focus on. Then take your winning angles that you find and build that into an email flow because most of the people are going to probably buy from the email pop-up. But the, the angle and the problem you're solving needs to match the one that they first came in on. You can't tell somebody one thing in the ad and then a completely different thing in, in the email because the consistency is not going to be there. And then I said, you just got to scale and continue testing angles. And if you, uh, once you start getting something working there, take your tier two products and start running them on TikTok. Start warming up the pixel with lower AOV products and then eventually get the tier one product there. That is so, that is amazing. Uh, I have a bunch of thoughts about that. First, I thought you were going to say, I want you to go into your Shopify account, click delete store. <laughs> I quit. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> That's what you were going to say. That's why I started smiling. I was like, oh God, this is hilarious. Uh, second, you know, what's really, uh, what I really like, and you, you, you know, we just had a, we did, we recorded one of these on Monday or Tuesday or whatever it was in Boston. Mm -hmm. And you talk to Kyle and you're like, hey, when people sign up for your flow, you know, do you put your story and Amanda's story in that right. flow? And I remember when you I, you asked him about that, I like looked over at you and you looked at me and you're like, good question, right? Yeah. Was, like the eye contact, I was like, that is a good, I was like, for my my eye contact or my facial impression was, that's a great question. And yours was like, yeah, I know it's a great yeah. question. And that is such a great thing to do. Yeah. Not it's enough people overlooked. do that. Yeah. Because a lot of people spend, you know, they, they will outsource retention or yeah. email. And then they just like the amount of performance marketers I know who never open up Klaviyo yeah. is absurd. That's crazy. You know? Yeah. yeah. I thought that was all really good feedback. Um, I guess the real question is, though, is like, does he have enough time to do these things? Like, does he have enough cash? Does he have enough... You know, some of it is a little bit of momentum because for if sure. you get no sales, you're just like, God, do I really want to work for eight hours every day? Yeah. Month nine, you're like, you know, he's been doing this for at least two quarters. Month nine, trying to get some sales. Yeah. Or do I move on to another product? And sometimes I think the answer is move on to another product. Um, but does he have enough like time from both like an energy perspective and cash in his bank account? Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure about the latter. Yeah. The, the cash part. Yeah. I think the, the first part he has, he yeah. definitely has time. And yeah. I think- I think where a lot of people go wrong here is they rely on unverified sources of what to do. Yeah. They jump on Twitter and they're yeah, like, yeah, oh, sure. I should be doing influencer stuff. And he did that and he found, inf and I was like, dude, inf you know, that's like, cool. You get four, sa you know, you get 40 sales in one day. Yeah. What about tomorrow? Yeah. That's yeah. not coming tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, course. whereas there's not like, uh, you know, he just wasn't, he, he, he wasn't grabbing advice from somewhere where, so, okay, actually, here's- Who has a lot of experience to be like, this is your problem, and also, not the- this. And also specifically the zero to one, because yeah. the zero to one is the hardest. Sure. It is the trickiest, and it is so different yeah. than, you know, everybody who's talking about 50 to 100 or 100 to 200. Sure. Yeah, when you say, like, in the influencer, first, I think having a conversation with someone like you is so important. Right. And uh, because- 
you just don't know what you don't know. And you're like, what isn't working here? And when you come in with all the experience you have, you're just like, these nine things that you think are important are completely irrelevant. Right. And so let me shove them to the side and focus on the real problems, which is your website sucks and your marketing sucks. Right. And it's not uh, influencer marketing that you should be doing uh, at this stage for this business, at least. Should be so. I always think of two things when people talk to me about influencer marketing. One is when we were on the Today Show, Native was what we got on like the Today Show Vogue and all these other magazines once because we launched a rose scented deodorant on June 21st, like, you know, I don't know, 10 years ago or whatever it was. And we were, we had all these publications and we had like $30,000 in revenue from them. And the next day we had like, you know, $8,000 and the next day zero. Mm-hmm. You know, it went down so quickly. Like if you're relying on PR to drive businesses, that just doesn't work. Yeah. Um, and the other story I think of is like Mary Berry. Like yeah. When she launched her business, she's like, I'm going to hire all of these influencers. And she's like, I got all these influencers. One of them got me one sale. A bunch got me zero sales. Like, you know, the, the influencers are great to help you drive brand awareness and great to like reinforce the brand in case people are seeing it and great to make sh- sure there's social proof. Like if I look this up on YouTube and you've got a YouTube influencer talking about your product, great. I've seen a good video as opposed to, you know, something bad or nothing. And I think all of those reasons are good to have influencers, you know, early on as the primary driver of your revenue, it's going to be really hard to make it uh, work. Influencer has its place. And I think it's place or it's uh, the way you do influencer changes as you grow or different stages yeah, definitely. of business. Definitely. You know, like yeah. if you look at a Hexclad and Gordon Ramsay. Yeah, yeah that's very, very different. different. Yeah. Compared to, you know, like using influencers at the early stage, you want to use them for content. You yeah. want to use them for exactly UGC, being able to repost yeah, them, right. yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay, we only have five more minutes. So let me yeah. switch to one segment I want to talk Let's about really it. quickly, which was um, Shopify Fulfillment. Yes. Uh, they announced about a week ago or maybe 10 days ago that uh, during their Q3 earnings, there's a huge bump in their stock price, went up 20%. They're like, we are getting rid of Shopify fulfillment. They purchased Deliver for $2.1 billion. They sold it to Flexport for 13% of Flexport, which actually I think is a lot of Flex. I think that's a, it's a not as bad of a deal. And it was 13 additional percent. I was like, is this 13% of Flex? Because they were already an investor in Flexport. And I was like, okay, do they get 13% total now? Because then it's unclear how much they actually got. But I think it's 13% additional based on the press release they had. You know, we had Harley in our, like, you know, he was the first guest we had. And he was like, he was constantly mentioning the word port to porch. Right, all in. Uh, Yeah. And um, we were like, what is, what are you talking about here? Like, I don't understand why you guys think that this is the right thing to be in. Right. A, a very small percentage of Shopify users or Shopify stores ever use Shopify fulfillment. In fact, I can't think of more than, I don't know, two people that use yeah, Shopify fulfillment. I don't, I don't fulfillment. know a single one. Um, I talked to the guy who was one of the first three PLs as part of Shopify fulfillment. And he's like, you know, we went from having like, you know, business owners would text me and be like, hey, here's a problem I'm having. Go check out your floor to I went uh, to I spent all day in meetings with Shopify people to be like, OK, let's strategize how to create like a repeatable system for Shopify fulfillment. Right. And he's like, you know, I, that's when I knew it wasn't going to work because yeah. we went from actually helping people to sitting in conference rooms all day. And three, you know, they're a bits and data business. And this is not an easy like. Very few people are happy with their 3PLs. And like, I don't know if Shopify, Shopify generally is a very beloved company like Stripe. Right. You don't want to be in the business of somebody like, you know, oh, imagine if Stripe was like, yeah, now I'm going to buy Comcast cable. Oh, I'm going to have the Comcast cable experience with Stripe. People are going to hate you. Right. And like a lot of people don't like their 3PL. And, um, you know, this is this was a great way to like tarnish their NPS and their reputation of being like, oh, I love Shopify, but you miss these packages and now I hate you. Right. 
I'm glad they sold it. I don't think like they want to focus. Like they should not focus on fulfillment. Right. They should focus on what they're good at. And there's so many software solutions that Shopify uh, brand owners still need. I'm glad they got rid of this. I thought it was a good deal for Shopify. I also agree. I think you know most of the people I know who've used one of these tech-enabled 3PL rollups fucking hate them. Yeah. Like they just hate them. Like these tech nerds don't understand getting down and talking to people who are picking up boxes and climbing up shelves and, and moving around on carts. Like they just don't get it. It's a very different way of thinking. I don't envy the people who run 3PLs. It's a really tough business. You know, if at best people are satisfied, you did what you said you were going to do. And like, people aren't very, like art, you didn't go above and beyond because you really can't go above and beyond. Right. So you got the stuff out and people are like, good, you did your job. At worst, you missed 3% of packages and that creates a terrible number of customer service tickets. Those people hate me. And I'm when I contact you about them, I'm still reading this ticket and I, they're upset at me and now I'm upset at you. Right. And so I think it's really unloved. There was one uh, CEO of one of these larger businesses that I chatted with in the midst of COVID. You know, in that time, it was, I don't know if it was harder or as hard to hire today. Like there's still very little unemployment. And he's like, for every employee that we want to hire on the floor to pick and pack, we make 400 job offers and we get wow. one employee. And he's like, if you apply, we immediately give you the job offer. You apply, great, you're hired. Show up Monday. And so he's like, we call like on Friday and we're like, hey, uh, how many of you are, are you going to show up? And he's like, of the 400, 200 don't even pick up the phone. And 100 say, yeah, I'm going to show up on Monday. 100 say, no, I'm not going to show up even though they was like, wow. they're supposed to start their work on Monday. And then he's like, on Monday, one person shows up. That is nuts. And so he's like, you know, it's really, because, you know, it's hard to hire for $13 an hour or $15 yeah. an hour or whatever it is, because basically everyone is paying that at this point. Like the container store, one of the things they mentioned was their minimum wage is now $15 an hour. Yeah. You know, you can work anywhere. You know, that's a lot of people that you're cycling through. Totally. Because they're like, you know, maybe they just stop showing up because they're like, I got another job for 50. I'm sick. I don't even care. I'm a no show, no call. I'll get another job Monday for $15 now. Right. So it's really unloved business. And I get why it's unloved. And I wish people were, you know, I don't love 3PLs. And I've made that very clear many times. But sometimes I do feel bad where I'm like, you know, maybe I'm too harsh on them. It's a really tough business to do all this kind of stuff for a really... Uh, low cost. Right. It's why Amazon, I think Amazon, part of the reason Amazon is like, let, let us automate our facilities is because they're like, we're going to turn over all of America soon. Right. Like everyone will have been an Amazon and fulfillment employee at one point. Totally. Quit the job. And they're like, now I'm going to do something else. And so we need automation. Right. Um, yeah, I wonder what Amazon's, uh, we should dig into this for the next episode, but Amazon's 3PL fulfillment centers, distribution centers, like how human driven are they and yeah. how robot driven are they? And what do the robots like, how has the rise of the robots just completely negated the issue that all these other companies are having? Yeah, for sure. In fact, I, I, one thing about Amazon fulfillment, one of my mom's friends works in an Amazon fulfillment facility. Yeah. He told this amazing story where he's like, look, if you return a product to an Amazon fulfillment facility, if it's Amazon product, we'll uh, take a, if you're a customer, we'll take a look at it and see if we should restock it. If it's any other brand, if it's not like owned by Amazon, we immediately throw it away. We're never like, oh, you returned an iPhone sold by Apple. Should we restock this? We chuck it because we don't lose anything. Like, you know, we just throw it away and say, oh, it wasn't like it was defective. Right. And so he's like, um, what happens is after we've thrown away all of these things, we will sell the garbage that yeah. we have by the pound. Wow. And you have to bid on the garbage without ever seeing it. It's sort of like storage wars. You yeah, don't know what's yeah. behind here, but you have to bid on it. And so what people will do is they will bribe employees at Amazon warehouses with fortunes. 
and they'll be like, uh, which one of these has all of the Apple products? Uh, so you'll be like, yeah, you might get one with 400 iPhones or you might get one with literal garbage. Like, you know, someone who's like, I want to return Tide laundry detergent yeah. open. I didn't like it because the pods spilled everywhere. They melted or something like right. that. And so you can bid and buy this, you know, garbage from Amazon and uh, you do it by the pound. And like people are bribing Amazon employees to be like, which one has all the good stuff? That's insane. There's so many ways to make money. Yeah, yeah. There are so many ways Crazy. to make money. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, you just get in with them and, you know, that guy's job, I, like, I'm not even sure if the guy who works at that Amazon- He probably makes like, more money doing yeah, this. Yeah, through bribes yeah. that he does actually at Amazon. And like- Good you know, for him. Yeah. And the briber is like, look, I'm, you know, I need yeah. to know which supply one- Supply and demand. Exactly. Everywhere. Yeah. There's supply and demand. That's amazing. Awesome. I think we got to wrap up because, uh, you know, we're past the time. Um, yeah. That was a fun pod. Yeah, that was fun. I love doing these. I know. There's so many good things to talk about. Yeah, they really are. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. I know exactly what business I'm going to do next for the Gats of Business. I'll bring it next week. Awesome. All right. See you next episode. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next time to cut through the noise in CPG, retail, and e-commerce. And if you enjoyed this episode, then why not share it with a friend? And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss the next one. 